When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Ash Bennington. Welcome to Building Blocks, a podcast about people's journey into the Bitcoin, blockchain, and digital asset space. Join me as we seek to get to the bottom of what's really happening. Rob Frasca, co-founder and managing partner of Cosmo Ventures. Welcome to Building Blocks. Hey, Ash. It's great to be here. Rob, it's a pleasure to have you back. Real Vision subscribers will know we just did a deep dive conversation on the platform that aired a few weeks ago. It's great to have you back for this podcast to talk a little bit more about your own personal journey. Give us a little bit of a sense of your background before you got into the digital assets slash crypto space. You have a very interesting background working as a venture capitalist and in traditional finance. Yeah, so actually, I've been doing tech companies now for almost 30 years. Uh, I flew for the Navy back in Desert Storm uh, off carriers. And uh, in the 90s, I started, I was at Carnegie Mellon uh, getting my MBA. And I started, uh, believe it or not, the very first uh, financial service on the internet. This is pre-Netscape, pre-Yahoo. Uh, you know, you couldn't even connect your Windows computer to the internet. And we put a uh, stock quote server on the internet, first mutual fund site, put Charles Schwab, over 100 financial institutions on the internet. And ultimately, uh, that company was acquired. I, I did that with a, a gentleman, Joel Mask. Uh, he and I were kind of co-founders of that. We were both going to B-School together. And um, it got acquired by Intuit. So I worked for Bill Campbell and Scott Cook and Bill Harris over at Intuit, and it wound up becoming Quicken Financial Network. And uh, ultimately, I moved out to Silicon Valley for a little bit and then uh, jumped in and did another company uh, called Wisewire, which was also out of Carnegie Mellon uh, in the AI space. Uh, much of the technology behind uh, kind of neural nets, machine learning, on ad targeting, and that company ultimately got bought by Lycos. Uh, most people don't even know what Lycos is. <laughs> you know, it's like my son's. Yeah, I remember uh, my Lycos. son's in his twenties, and he's like, "What glucose? Uh, what the hell was Lycos?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but it was the number two uh, search engine right behind Yahoo. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah, and we wound up actually taking that company public, and then it got bought by Telefonica. And then uh, I've done a bunch of others, other companies. Uh, I did a company called Vivox, which was bought by Unity, voice over IP for video games. So I've been doing companies now for 30 years or so, mostly as founder or CEO or you know senior management team. And I would say eight, nine years ago, I started investing and kind of moving over to the venture side. So that's hmm. that's kind of the you know the quick snapshot of uh, of of what I've been doing. Uh, it's all pretty much been dot com, internet, mobile, video games, uh, that kind of thing. I mean, Rob, you've had an absolutely fascinating career. You've worn more hats than I have, uh, and you certainly have uh, worn a fighter pilot's helmet, which is something I've never done. Which I think a lot of kids my age who grew up. Uh, 
watching Iron Eagle and Top Gun or fascinated by, I have to ask, what lessons did you learn from that life as a fighter pilot coming in uh, to work in Silicon Valley? Well, you know, flying and, and and doing these kinds of things. And in fact, it's not just fighter pilot, right? It's it's the SEALs. It's it's everybody. We all kind of operate on this thing called the ODA loop. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Um, ODA? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Observe, orient, decide, act. Basically, what it means is, is that you get really comfortable with making decisions quickly and under a lot of uncertainty. And because you know that when you make those decisions, you're going to evaluate, adjust, and then optimize, right? And that, and that's what building right. startups are. You, you know, you have a dream, you have a vision, you think this is where it's going to go. You launch it and you go, oh crap, it's not going that way. We need to adjust. And so you have to be able to adjust quickly. And I think that's the thing I learned, you know, being, mm. being in the Navy and flying was just, you know, use your OTA loop and don't, don't freak out when things go wrong. Actually, that's, that's a data, that's a data moment. That's an aha moment. Adjust, move, and go. Uh, and that's what this is all about. And, and I think what we've seen over time is, is that loop is just in terms of business and tech, it's just moving quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. You know, I used to say all the time, um, you know, when you go to flight school, they tell you speed is life, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and I used to say that all the time, speed is life. And that really was in the internet. It was really fast. Now with digital asset space, oh my God, it, it's even 10 times faster than that. So how do you adapt and how do you operationalize that practically speaking? I think many people fear uh, acting uh, from time to time and they often don't necessarily respond as rapidly as they should to the data that's coming into them. How do you do that in a practical life and death situation? Yeah. Look, uh, well, look, I think, I think in a tech situation, in, in a, in a life and death situation, it's actually pretty easy because it's just you and yourself and, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're responding, right? Or if you're in a team, but, you know, in a company situation, it's a lot different, right? Because now you, it's not just one guy flying a plane. It's a whole team maneuvering a company. And so I think as a leader, what you have to uh, instill is, you know, look, there's two ways of, you have to instill confidence and you have to um, not freak out when things go wrong, right? There are, we've all had leaders where when you do something wrong, they beat the crap out of you. That, yeah. that doesn't work here. What you want is to tell people, break things, move. Don't be afraid to put it out there. Don't be afraid to fail. Adjust. And so I think as a leader, that's the kind of thing that you want to instill in your team. You don't want to be a hard ass. You want to be out there saying, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to, and we're going to do it quickly. And it's not perfect, but we're going to adjust right. and we'll get there. That's fascinating. By the way, if this sounds a little bit abstract, my favorite film that illustrates what an OODA loop is, uh, is the Bruce Willis movie Die Hard, uh, because you see actually three different OODA loops. You see the uh, the bad guys uh, who are beating uh, the lawful authorities outside the building and John McClane kind of getting inside the OODA loop of all three, operating faster, reacting faster, perceiving uh, and adjusting faster uh, than the bad guys. It's a fascinating sort of illustration, I think, of the concept. Yeah. And by the way, there's a really good, um, Harvard case study actually on the OODA loop. Uh, and, and, and that, that's one data point. Another data point is that believe it or not, agile software is an OODA loop. And it, it actually came from, I understand, uh, the seal, uh, OODA, the basically the seal kind of approach to the OODA loop. Uh, and Ray Dahlia, uh, his book principles, 
uh, although he calls it, you know, his, his loop is really just an OODA loop. Uh, so, uh, his whole book is about this loop and he calls it his loop, but it's, it's really just an OODA loop. So, uh, if you're into this kind of stuff, um, it's definitely worth, uh, kind of, you know, looking, looking into it. Cause I, I think that's ultimately what, what is required, uh, in today's tech world. That's fascinating. And such a great metaphor from a different area of your life that you can apply here. Yeah. Yeah. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So talking of this, observing, orienting, when you were in the venture capital space, looking at the things that were starting to bubble up in the digital asset space, then largely called Bitcoin, uh, as the first uh, true decentralized digital asset, uh, what were you thinking and how were you able to react to it in a way uh, that got you into this space kind of full time now? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great it's a great question. And, you know, what is it? What does an entrepreneur do? Right. What, what an entrepreneur does is they they see problems and they go, man. What if I could fix that problem? And then they start dreaming about fixing that problem, right? Elon Musk, man, yeah. I want to create electric cars, self-driving electric cars. I'm going to go fix that problem. And so, um, you know, and I think that's what entrepreneurs do. And I think what good investors do is they recognize the same problem that the entrepreneurs uh, recognize, and then they pick teams mm. that are going to go solve those problems. And so here I am got all this internet experience, right? I, I, you know, they're pretty much day one. And it's pretty, you know, when you're, when you're eating and drinking and sleeping and living and doing, it's pretty hard not to see the problems, right? Like they're just, they're just sitting there right in front of you because your, your life is revolving around it. And one of the problems that just kept emerging to me was this problem of centralized trust. Like yeah. we've, we've gone out of our way. We've built this incredible network that's resilient, right? It, it, it survives nuclear attack. Uh, we, we've gotten really good at everybody's a content creator and they can publish their videos and people can buy from Amazon and online through this great network. And, and, and we've really kind of built this incredible decentralized world. But the one thing that really kind of popped out at me over and over and over again was the problem of, of what I call centralized trust, uh, which is basically um, you know, if I don't know you, Ash, and you don't know me, and we want to have a transaction, what do we do? We, we, we find a middleman, we find a bank, we find a broker, we find somebody that we can trust in between. And we say, okay, you be the broker, you go in the middle, and, uh, and I'll pay you a transaction fee to do it. And the problem is, is that's kind of, you know, Medici style, you know, trust, <laughs> right? My firm's name, Cosmo Ventures, Cosmo Medici. And so, you know, you, you, you just, you're like, what if we could solve that? You know, what if we could solve this centralized trust kind of problem? And so when blockchain came out, 
uh, I, I was, I was, I had that kind of holy cow, you know, the skies opened and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this is it. This is what I've been looking for, what the world has been looking for. So that's when we, that's when we, we started uh, Cosmo to really embrace and look at, you know, solving this centralized kind of trust problem. Yeah. It's so interesting. Rob, one of the questions I have is kind of related. Uh, in some ways, it's the flip side of the question I just asked. You clearly get this. Why do you think so many folks in the Valley didn't? We've seen this trend uh, happen before. Microsoft, for example, notoriously late and flat-footed uh, to understanding the ramifications and potential of the internet. Why is it that some people didn't? And why does it seem as though some people are able to utilize their knowledge that they've experienced in the past and some people just become almost handcuffed by the former paradigms? That's that's it, Ash. You become you become handcuffed to the former paradigms. So if you're in the business of running a business and it's huge and it's cranking and you got to keep that train running on time, the last thing in the world you're doing is looking for something that's going to disrupt you or change change the model. You're just you know it's it's like that Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Time to make the donuts. Like the guy gets up every morning yeah. and time to make the donuts. You're just making donuts. And you lose, you lose, uh, you lose sight of it, or you may have sight of it, but you have so much tech debt. You have so much, uh, in your earnings, your, your revenue, your business model. Yeah. You're, you're married to it and you're not, you can't change it. You know, you can't change it. Mm. Uh, and that's generally the case, right? Is, is a lot of times these, these companies know that this stuff is happening, but they, they've got an existing business model that, uh, that can't, that can't adjust. I think smart CEOs that run these companies realize they recognize something's changing and maybe they create a skunk works team or they create a separate team that's off on the side, right? That doesn't have that debt, that tech debt and they go work on it. Um, then it's an issue of speed, right? And how fast can that separate unit uh, adjust? Uh, so, so really it, it it really is interesting. Uh, and you know, ultimately, I think what winds up happening is, you know, and a lot of times a bigger company you just can't take the risk, right? L let's look at digital assets. So right now, it's really hard to custody a digital asset. Because there's so many new digital assets popping up that even if you do have a decent custodian from a regulatory perspective and from a compliance perspective and from all those kinds of perspectives, it's hard to keep up because new technology and new assets are being created all the time. If you're State Street Bank, um, are you going to jeopardize what, what are they, how many assets or, or BNY Mellon, the two largest custodians? How, how many trillions of dollars do these guys custody? You're going to, uh, jeopardize that from a compliance perspective to, you know, for a $1 trillion market or a $2 trillion, what is it? $2 trillion market today? No way. Right. Uh, you may announce it. You may say, yeah, we're going to look at this to kind of put some FUD in the market. But, you know, I, I would probably, my, my opinion would be, the way that State Street or BNY, and, and by the way, they're both, you know, BNY, and I think they're both doing a lot, uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, and they're doing a lot of research and they got a big team working on it, but they're not going to launch it, right? They're going to launch it when there's regulatory clarity. Anyway, I'm, I'm going on here. So what do you do? Uh, if you're a big company, you wind up going by, you go buy it, right? Eventually you let somebody else build a big business doing it and yeah. then you go buy it. Or you partner. Or you partner. Or partner to buy. <laughs> right. Even better for the entrepreneurs who spun up those companies. That's right. That's right. They're taking all the risk. So that's a good thing. 
So Rob, tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day is right now. Uh, what are you doing right now? Uh, and why do you feel, I mean, it's interesting to me because you're someone who could basically be doing anything they wanted right now in the tech space or elsewhere. So what is it you're doing now and why do you find it so compelling? Uh, so I, I, I got to tell you, I am so, so, so passionate about this. I personally believe that what we're doing here, what all these entrepreneurs are doing is changing the world for good. I think this are, there is a huge social agenda here. Not that I'm a social kind of, you know, uh, you know, drum beating kind of, kind of guy. Uh, you know, 50% of the world is estimated that it's unbanked. Mm. And yet we all have mobile phones. What is it? 75. I said this in the other time we, t- we spoke, right? And so now all of a sudden, yeah. if you've got a, a smartphone, uh, you're part of a, you're part of the digital economy. Yeah. That's huge. I don't know if I mentioned this when, when we last spoke, but I watched a documentary about Kenyan runners. You know, Kenyans uh, have incredible track record in uh, long distance running. And it was this, uh, this camp that they were running for promising young Kenyan marathoners, long distance runners. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that they do is they, they take these guys and gals out to, to the bush, really the, the real like African wilderness. Uh, and there are these scenes of these, these guys, uh, carrying buckets of water because there's not running water, but every single one of them has a mobile phone. And it just gives you this insight into the ability to leapfrog infrastructure that didn't exist and the power and the potential there are, you know, we, we often say whenever sort of thing we talk about on real vision is that, you know, sort of talent is not, is evenly distributed around the world. You have brilliant people who, who want to contribute, but opportunity isn't. And when you see that mobile capacity that can be linked directly to this decentralized world that you're so interested in building, Boy, that's a leveling factor. That's something that unleashes human potential, not just in the United States, not just among the unbanked, but all across the world. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly it. Uh, that's exactly it. You know, we we created Cosmo X uh, as a fund to really invest in and really give investors, the people that invest in our fund, early exposure, right, to these incredible teams and these incredible deals. And, you know, one of the things, uh, and, 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 you know, to really invest in all of this, this new technology. Uh, and, you know, what, what, what we're seeing is, is that the technology and these teams are getting liquid very, very, very fast, right? The old venture model was, Hey, yeah. uh, you do, a, you do a seed, you do a series A, you do a B, a C, a D, all the way out 14 years later. Hopefully you have a unicorn and a thing gets sold. Or maybe halfway through, it gets acquired by another company. And it requires a lot of capital and a lot of handholding. What we're seeing in this yeah. market is that these deals go liquid very fast. Because what are they doing? They raise some small money, they build out the tech, and then they launch the blockchain. And then when they launch the blockchain, they do, they, they do a TGE, a token generation event, where they're selling the token. And boom, they go, they go liquid incredibly fast. So the whole yeah. game, the investor game really amounts to exposure and access. You got to know the teams early. You got to be at the table early. Um, we're a venture fund. We're not a hedge fund, right? So we're not buying the token and dumping it. We're buying the token and holding it because we're long-term believers in this. So that message resonates really well with the entrepreneur. Uh, and then what we did 
to kind of tighten the ODA loop here, to use my analogy, is we actually tokenized the fund. So we said, wait a minute, the old venture model is a 10-year lockup, you know, bunch of capital calls, big minimum investment, because and, and you need that because you're making an A, a B, a C, a D, you're making all these investments. Right. Whereas what we said here is, is wait a minute, why don't we tokenize it? All that really means is digital shares that a, that an LP can trade. They're, it's liquid. So now I'm got a liquid kind of option for venture. We just did this deal, um, Ichi. Uh, I hope you heard of this incredible, uh, met the entrepreneur that started it. It's actually a DAO that, that, that started it, but y- you know, by the way, for people who don't know, tell us about that project. Uh, Ichi. Yeah. So, so what they do is, um, they basically have invented, uh, a protocol to create stable coins for various, um, treasuries. So in other words, if I have a project, um, and, um, and I want to create a stable coin based on my currency that I can use. Uh, let, let me, let me rewind. Let's, let's say your, um, XYZ project and uh, I'm not going to use any names. Uh, l- l- let's say your XYZ project and you have a token and the token in the market is worth $5 billion market cap and it's traded every day. And what you're trying to do is build an ecosystem, right? You're trying to build a lot of people to come in and use your technology, XYZ technology. So what do you do? You create a fund and you give away XYZ tokens to developers, okay, to go build your project. And it happens every day. All the top projects have big funds and they give these these tokens out to developers to build more tech on that network, which makes the network bigger, which grows the value of the, of the, of the network. Well, when you hand out those tokens to developers, they've got to, you know, they've got to live. They got to pay their mortgage. They got to pay their bills, right? Their car bill. So what do they do? They sell those tokens in the market. And so all of those tokens that go out into the market as grants wind up becoming sold. And there you have some sell pressure. And, and so you get volatility in XYZ token. That's what's happening. So what Ichi did was they said, well, wait a minute. What if we give you the capability to create a stable coin uh, based on XYZ token? And instead of handing out XYZ to your uh, employees, you can hand out the stable version of it. And therefore, it protects kind of the vol. It protects the supply and demand of of the XYZ token. Uh, and it's really cool uh, what they do. I'm not going to get into the technical details there. But, you know, as, as an illustration, you know, we met the team. We bought in, you know, before it was launched. That's what venture capitals do. They meet with the team. They look at the risk. They say, I'm going to buy in before this thing gets liquid. Uh, and... Um, you know, you can look at it. It's trading at 70, you know, 70, $72. I think it went out at five. So, you know, uh, now you've got a venture fund that's sitting on a 14X, 13X return, um, you know, in a very short period of time. Uh, and, and by the way, we're not, we're not a hedge fund. So it's not like we're going to go, you know, sell the crap out of this. Uh, we, we believe in it. We, we believe that it's, it's just, you know, now, uh, taken off. We think it's an incredible, uh, incredible um, um, technology. You know, it's so intriguing when you talk about the digital asset space and the 
broader investor context that it's created, uh, it, it almost feels as though the, you know, the need was there more than ever because we have this circumstance where companies are staying private for longer, which is great for VCs. But very often, uh, it means that uh, ordinary investors can't get in uh, to get that exposure in the public markets. Uh, obviously, there are restrictions of accredited investors being able to invest in these projects while uh, Main Street investors are not able to. Now, obviously, there's a reason behind that in terms of the, the risk exposure and, uh, and, and making sure that retail clients don't do things that aren't suitable for them. But it really does almost seem like the the, the demand for this type of uh, context for investing was greater than ever at exactly the time that it came along. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, why, why is it that the big venture funds should be the ones that are getting all the alpha on these deals? And that's what's going on here is now all of a sudden you've got a global network of investors who are saying, I've had enough. I'm going to come in and do this. Now, what we're trying to do with the fund is we believe, first of all, it's really hard to get these deals. Like the allocations on these deals are, are tight. Uh, the entrepreneurs have gotten smart. Uh, you know, it used to be an entrepreneur was like, yeah, I'm raising $10 million. And one guy comes in with a $10 million check and, and they say, I'm done. Whereas the entrepreneurs now are saying, uh-uh, I, what I want is a big cap table with a lot of people on it with no, with nobody really having control over what's going on, uh, which dilutes a, a lot of that kind of control. And, you know, these things, and these things are getting liquid, uh, faster. So, you know, I, I think, I think you hit it. Uh, you know, we're, we're global. You know, you can be a, you can be an investor, uh, you know, in Germany, you can go to, you know, go to our website, you literally go to securitize, do your KYC AML and invest. Uh, and, and I think that's where this is going. People want access uh, to these uh, to these deals. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So let's talk about exactly that. Where is this going? Uh, investors all want to live in the future. Where do you see this space uh, in, say, three to five years? And what do you think your role in it will be? So I believe that th what we're building now is really the new financial economy. Uh, it's really about how all value is being uh, exchanged. And I think from an investor perspective, uh, all, all what we're seeing now is is that investors are now having entirely new options to be able to um, you know to be able to uh, to invest and to uh, achieve alpha from this. Uh, you, you know the whole DeFi market, for instance. Try to get yield right now. Where do you go get yield? Let, let's say Ash, you just sold your restaurant. You got a pizza restaurant, and you just sold it, and you have a half a million dollars cash in the bank. What do you do with it? Well, I'm getting a lot of negative yield just by being in cash at this point with CPI <laughs> exactly. running about So cash, forget about cash, right? And so now you're sitting on a half a million dollars, and you're going, "Wait a minute, what do I do?" And maybe, maybe you're in your 50s or 60s, so you don't want to be that kind of aggressive with this thing. Well, you know, with a DeFi, with a with, with in the DeFi world. You could potentially get a 10% yield 
with almost no beta, no problem, right? And so I think what you're going to start seeing is um, new products that come out, which I'm calling digital income, um, mm. you know, digital income product. I think you're going to see that. Uh, I think what you're going to see is more democratization around uh, venture and around early stage venture. I think you're going to see more products uh, coming out for that. Um, and, and, and I think three to five years, uh, you know, this is just going to, uh, it, it's just going to explode, uh, in a good way. I mean, grow, uh, exponentially way beyond what we're doing. There's one thing that kind of throttles everything generally, uh, and it's, and it's a good thing and it's regulatory and compliance, hmm. right? Every time there's a little bit of regulatory compliance clarity. You put guardrails in place, you reduce risk, more capital flows. And I think that's what we're seeing every time, right? When uh, Biden put out the uh, the executive order, that was a good thing, right? We got to study this. We've got to do this. This is important. So I think all of that is really, um, you know, really going to uh, create a massive, massive industry. Uh, and, and by the way, there's another nuance to this that goes beyond just like, you know, yield funds, you, you know, uh, you, you talk about NFTs yeah. and people go, oh, NFTs, board apes and postage stamps. And what the heck does that mean? Now, let, let, let's really understand what's going on here. What NFTs represent is the decentralization of digital rights management. This I'm talking mm -hmm. royalties. Okay. So today, if I'm a movie producer, I produce a movie, I go to William Morris, I go to a bunch of lawyers, I've got a contract, a royalty contract that's this thick, that says this guy gets paid this and this and this, and the distributor gets paid that, and the actors get paid this, right? That's how we do it. And then it goes through all these centralized places. If I produce a video, what do I do? I upload it to YouTube, and YouTube makes all the money. What NFTs right. truly represent is now we're taking all of that royalty contract and we're putting it into a smart contract and doing it automatically in the background. So it takes the whole model and flips it upside down and it puts the power in the power of the content creator. That, that, that itself, just think all of digital media, all of digital media, all digital, not just media, digital property is now controlled and managed through a blockchain. If that isn't massive, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been beating my drum early about this, that NFTs are not what you think they are if you're not in the space and you don't spend they a lot of time thinking about it. It's not a $3 million JPEG. It's the ability to you know, basically do all the things that you just talked about. Yeah. We, just did, we just did two projects. We did one uh, out of Boston called Beezy. I'm not a big fan of the name BZ. I think it stands for blockchain made easy. But anyway, they, they have a, they have an NFT platform, minting platform that you can use that basically puts the, the, it manages all those contracts on the background. But then what it does is it, um, you can put it on Shopify. So now I'm buying an NFT for cash on Shopify or OpenSea or whatever. But, right. but I mean, you know, it's really cool. We did another one called Token Tracks. They just did their TGE uh, a week ago uh, doing uh, NFT, basically music, uh, music digital rights. Uh, another great project. So, you know, it, it, it really, what we're investing in is not the Bored Apes. We're investing in the plumbing, right? The, the, the picks and shovels, the systems that are going to bring digital rights, digital ownership in that 
to the market. Yeah. And it's just still so early in the space, tremendous amount of opportunity, a lot of risk, uh, but a tremendous amount of opportunity as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And you, and you just, you have to pay attention to it and it, it's just so exciting to see, right? So, so exciting to see. Rob, we've covered a tremendous amount of ground in about 30 minutes here today. Final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave our listeners with. I, I personally believe, you know, the question as investors or entrepreneurs, the question isn't, um, should I do this or should I get involved or should I invest in this? That's not the question. The question you got to be asking yourself is, how could you not be? You know, and uh, the rate of change in this market is beyond anything I've ever seen. So, you know, most importantly, educate yourself, learn, yeah. uh, and let your passion follow. You know, that that's that's really what it is. Let your passion, you know, let your passion drive where you want to go with it and uh, and everything will follow. Well, you know, right here at Real Vision, our passion is for learning. So this has been an incredible conversation. Rob Fresca, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Always a pleasure to be here, Ash. Absolutely. Anytime. Rob, thanks again. And thank you, everyone, for listening. All right, that's a wrap on Building Blocks. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, head over to realvision.com forward slash crypto, where the crypto conversation always continues.